from South Carolina Public Radio. This is a South Carolina lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on April 21st, 2023 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a lot. That's right. We cover Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's first public visit to the state ahead of an expected presidential bid. We look at his standings in two polls, including the Winthrop poll. And we speak with director Scott Huffman about the state of SC 2024. Yes, the campaign trail and all that good polling. We also look at the action from the statehouse this week, including an anti-Semitism bill, the state budget, and abortion is back and set for special order in the Senate. And if you're going to say, haven't I already heard about that last year? Well, you're going to hear about it again, folks. And we have new state jobs data for you and break them down with regional economist Laura Ulrich. And just another live taping alert for you guys. That's right. South Carolina Public Radio will be hosting its open house in honor of its 50th anniversary on Saturday, May 6th from 5 to 7 p.m. here at South Carolina Public Radio in Columbia. We're right across from Williams-Brice Stadium. You know where we are. You can find all the details on southcarolinapublicradio.org. And also, after that open house, we will be having another live taping, folks. That's right. Jeffrey Collins and Meg Kennard, we're doing a double dip with the Associated Press, will be on our live taping stage here at ETV in South Carolina Public Radio Studios. We're going to be doing a live taping after that open house on May 6th at 7 o'clock. You can find out all the information at southcarolinapublicradio.org. So if you missed us in Clemson, come see us in Columbia, May 6th at 7 o'clock. And if you can't make it to that Columbia taping, give us a shout, 803-563-7169, and tell us why you can't. You really have to give a reason, folks. we got swag, we're going to have laughs, we're going to have some great news and knowledge. But yeah, if you can't make it, let us know. If you want us to come somewhere and do a live taping in your neck of the woods, you got to let us know, 803-563-7169. Give us a shout. We're starting off the pod by looking at the 2024 Road to the White House, which runs right through South Carolina. The biggest news this week was that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis made his first public trip to South Carolina with stops in North Charleston and Spartanburg. The events were part of his Florida Blueprint Tour. DeSantis held these rallies based off that Florida Blueprint, which is a framework that he says helped him win re-election by nearly 20 points in November, the largest margin of any Republican in the state's history. A big part of that framework is fighting back against policies he deems as woke. So what is kind of the the thread that goes through all of this, to me, the thread is this woke mind virus, uh, this ideology that has really captured so many institutions throughout society. I think it's a form of cultural Marxism that seeks to divide not on class, but on the basis of identity politics. Uh, I think it's an attack on merit. I think it's an attack on achievement. Uh, I think that at the end of the day, it's a war on truth. And it's really important that our society be rooted in truth. And so if you tell me that somebody who's on the men's swim team for three years can just switch and do the women's team and somehow win the national championship, uh, you know, that's a fraud. That is not true. 
that is not the actual best women swimmer in that, in that thing. And so I think it's important that we reject the woke uh, because the woke re, re, uh, is asking us to reject the truth. And so in Florida, we recognize this as a threat across the board. Yes, we fight the woke in the legislative chambers, but we also fight the woke in the schools. We also fight the woke in the corporations. Uh, our mantra is we do not ever surrender to the woke mob because we've made the state of Florida the place where woke goes to die. DeSantis also highlighted the benefits of the so-called Don't Say Gay Law, which he signed into law last year prohibiting instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity beyond what is already taught in schools. At his request, the Florida Board of Education expanded the measure to all public school grades on Wednesday. We just believe that parents should be able to send their kid to school, have them watch cartoons, just be kids without having some agenda shoved down their throats all the time. So gender ideology has no place in our K through 12 school system. And we've made that very, very clear. It is wrong for a teacher to tell a student that they may have been born in the wrong body or that their gender is a choice. And so we don't let that happen in Florida. And if Disney objects to that, well, so be it. We're gonna do what's right. DeSantis is expected to jump into the race after the Florida legislature ends in the coming weeks. Currently, polling by the firm National Public Affairs of likely South Carolina Republican voters has DeSantis in second, trailing Trump by 22 points. Former President Donald Trump has 42 percent in the poll, and DeSantis comes in with 21 percent. He does lead former Governor Nikki Haley by just two points in the poll, which has a margin of error of 4.2 percent. So they are neck and neck right there. Now for an additional look at the race, we turn to my conversation with Scott Huffman, Winthrop University political science professor and Winthrop poll director. We spoke on This Week in South Carolina about his recent findings, specifically how South Carolina Republican voters feel about the still coalescing field. Donald Trump is doubling up the the next person. So Donald Trump is still the first choice of Republican, self-identified Republicans who are registered to vote at 41 percent support. Now, mind you, that is lower than some of the support that he's gotten nationally. But the fact is, he's still doubling up uh, his next rival, which is Ron DeSantis, at 20 percent. But it's very important to note that Nikki Haley had 18 percent. That's within the margin of error. So Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis in this poll were in a dead heat at at second place. And so, you know, she has not formally been in all that long. DeSantis is not formally in. Donald Trump is incredibly well known. The question is, how much are they going to eat into his support? Now, nationally, Haley had only been getting, what, 4%. So she's more than quadrupling her support. That's important in South Carolina because we are the first in the South primary for the Republicans. Iowa Republicans in the caucus don't look like the Republican Party. New Hampshire Republicans don't look like the Republican Party. South Carolina Republicans, we have every flavor of Republican out there. We look like the kind of Republicans you need to win over. And if you can win in South Carolina, then you can win in the South. And if a Republican sweeps the South, the 11 state South, they need less than 30 percent of all other electoral college votes in the general election. So we are the first test of that. Nikki Haley has had growing support, but she's still behind Donald Trump by at least half. 
And how do you make, uh, I guess, how do you evaluate right now Nikki Haley's uh, campaign? She launched it in mid-February, released some of her fundraising, which has been interesting to look at with some of the double counting going on there too. But what does she have to do to, I guess, increase her numbers here and also just really register with those Iowa and New Hampshire voters, in your opinion? Well, she's got to pick up a little bit of the vacuum that Trump is leaving. DeSantis was trying to fill that vacuum as um, the Trump culture warrior without all the baggage. But DeSantis has been losing a little bit of ground lately, stepping over a few too many lines, doing things that uh, some of the, the Republican faithful think you're not focusing on the right issues. Now, the interesting thing about nationally, there's a narrative that Nikki Haley is a moderate. And I really think a lot of that comes from the Confederate flag coming down off of the state house under her tenure and her supporting that. But if you look at her term as governor, she was absolutely not a moderate. She was the, the queen of the Tea Party in South Carolina, endorsed by Sarah Palin. That's how she got into the governor's mansion. She kept conservative during that. She is extremely conservative, but with less baggage than Trump has. And she is leaning more into the culture war issues than, for example, Tim Scott is. So she might be ready to take up some of the oxygen that's escaping from the room as people look at Trump and think this might not be the best choice. Yeah, that, that makes me wonder about, you know, when we see DeSantis and there's a lot of uh, stuff going on right now too, uh, when it comes to back and forth between him and Trump, uh, is it gonna be a matter of her and, or maybe Senator Tim Scott just kind of waiting around to be the nice guy in this situation? Well, I, you know, I don't think Haley wants to come across as necessarily the nice guy on certain issues. She has prided herself on being tough. When a reporter and anchor called her Pastor Prime, her first response was, hold my beer. Um, she prides herself on being tough. She's not going to come across as the soft moderate. Um, she may work coming across as somebody who's more reasonable. And this is Tim Scott's space as well. Tim Scott, uh, again, the narrative is, oh, he's more moderate. If you look at his voting record in the Senate, he is not. His voting record is extremely conservative. So he's got the you know bona fides of being a strong conservative supporter, but he doesn't come across as unhinged like some candidates may. He comes across as much more moderated in his speech and thought. And so he's going to be able to take up some of that space of the reasonable alternative. The question is, how much traction can he get? And if he can repeat what he's done here in South Carolina, where he was constantly underestimated and constantly overperformed, then he can get some traction and make some moves as we go along through this election season. Uh, but we just did see Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who is, you know, weighing his run. Obviously, they're still in the legislative session down there in Florida. He's expected to announce after that uh, wraps up there. But he was he had two big showings this week in North Charleston and Spartanburg. I was in Spartanburg and saw the crowds out there, had about a thousand people out there. Uh, pretty warm reception. Crowds are pretty interested, too. Uh, so it seems like he's already making some pretty good inroads in the state where, again, you know, the road to the White House runs right through South Carolina. Yeah, and he's going to have a base. The question is, are these people, you know, super pro DeSantis to the point where they're anti-Trump or are they, you know, somebody who likes and wants to see DeSantis are his crowds at this point absolutely faithful or strong Republicans who are interested in seeing. But the fact that he's gotten a good turnout is a positive sign for him because as you said, road to the White House runs through South Carolina. 
He's going to have to come here and make a strong showing. Um, again, if he cannot perform well in South Carolina, then people are going to question whether or not he can sweep the entire South. And that's important for a Democrat or uh, a Republican running for the president, because if a Democrat can crack the South in the general election, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they tend to get the White House. There is way more to that interview that you can find on YouTube.com slash South Carolina ETV. Let's go from the campaign trail to the statehouse, folks. That's right, the Senate, after approving its $13 billion version of the state budget, moved to put the House-approved abortion bill on special order for debate next week. This debate is expected to play out in the exact same way it did over several weeks in the offseason. Now, to refresh you, the House, once again, approved a near-total abortion ban earlier this year, which means abortion would be outlawed from the moment of conception with only very limited exceptions for rape, incest, and the life and health of the mother. The Senate, which is also controlled by Republicans, does not have the votes to pass such an extreme measure and has previously passed an updated version of the six-week abortion law, which the state Supreme Court overruled earlier this year in a 3-2 decision, citing it violated the right to privacy guaranteed by Article 1, Section 2 of the state's constitution. So, currently in South Carolina, abortions are legal up to 20 weeks, though they are rarely performed after 15 weeks, according to advocates. Now, related to this bill, Lexington Republican Senator Katrina Shealy took the well on Wednesday to discuss an interesting gift she and her fellow female Republican Senators Sandy Sin and Penry Gustafson, as well as Beaufort Republican Senator Tom Davis, received an anatomical model of a spine. Shealy brought her newly gained second spine to the well with her, alongside Sin and Gustafson, who held theirs off to the side, and she said this. I had several nice letters in there, and it said, I should vote for the Human Life Protection Act, vote for Representative McCravey's bill, and grow a spine. Well, I gotta tell you, this is the worst example of lobbying for a bill I've ever seen. Unfortunately, this senator already has weathered a lot of controversy. I continue to weather a lot of storms every day, and I got one hell of a spine already, but now I got another backup. Uh, We've all got another spine, and um, lobbying for a cause means talking to people, sitting down, and having a good conversation. It doesn't mean insulting them, It doesn't mean threatening them, but um, what I've decided, this confirmed my previous vote, because if this is the way you lobby, you don't know what you're doing, but um, you shouldn't be making decisions for me or anybody else, and you shouldn't be making decisions for people's lives, because you can't make them for legislators and tell them what to do and how to vote. So take this as a good example of what not to do in the future if you want to get my vote. Don't send me a spine. I have one. The state reports that those gifts came from the Students for Life Action Group, which is a registered lobbying group, and that they are in violation of state lobbying since groups can't give gifts. We'll be watching that debate next week. Again, the Senate is going to be debating the abortion bill in special order. But don't expect any surprises as nothing has changed since the Senate last debated this measure last fall, and especially in light of this recent stunt. The Senate also approved the budget. That's right, the big budget got passed by the Senate this week, a $13 billion budget for the upcoming fiscal year. Now, it's not too dissimilar from what the House passed 
but state employees would get a $2,500 bump in their base pay if they make less than $50,000, and a 5% raise if they make more. There would also be pay bumps for law enforcement officers, as well as correction officers and prison nurses. Also in this budget, there would be an increase in the minimum salary for teachers at every position and experience level by $2,500. The budget also spends $95 million to, once again, freeze in-state tuition at colleges and universities. Also in the Senate budget, it spends $540 million in unspent funds from previous budgets and other one-time sources for higher education projects, like $75 million to start the first veterinary medicine school in South Carolina at Clemson University. The budget returns to the House, which will, of course, disagree with the changes, and that will lead to a conference committee of three House and three Senate members being formed to hash out the differences. They'll end up sending it to the governor for his approval, and we'll have a new budget in place for the new fiscal year that begins July 1st. But we'll be getting new revised revenue estimates from the Board of Economic Advisors on Monday, and we expect even more money to flow into state coffers. Now, over in the House this week, the big debate on the floor was over the SHIELD law, S-120. The bill would block the identity of drug makers that provide lethal injection drugs to the State Department of Corrections, and any purchase or acquisition of these drugs and supplies would be exempt from the state procurement code and would be exempt from all licensing processes and requirements administered by DHEC. Furthermore, the out-of-state acquisition of any drug intended for use by the department in the administration of the death penalty shall be exempt from all regulations promulgated by the Board of Pharmacy. The bill also mandates confidentiality of any identifying information of any person or entity directly or indirectly involved in the planning or execution of a death sentence within the state. Now, this bill comes as executions have been halted in South Carolina for nearly 12 years. It attempts to restart executions through a law requiring the use of the electric chair if lethal injection drugs aren't available, which they currently aren't, or through the newly created firing squad option is being challenged in court. The state Supreme Court earlier this year asked the Department of Corrections for more information on its ability to acquire those drugs. S-120 passed the House by a vote of 75 to 21 and goes back to the Senate, which will need to confirm or reject those amendments made to the bill. Now, off the floor, the House Judiciary Committee had some informed debate on a variety of bills, including one that defines anti-Semitism. There is no definition of anti-Semitism on the books in South Carolina. That's something that the legislature's lone Jewish lawmaker, Columbia Democratic Representative Beth Bernstein, has been working hard to fix with the bill H-4042. But it wasn't a clear-cut discussion since some members, like Greenwood Republican John McCravey, who has previously co-sponsored and voted for the bill, conflated its purpose. Here's McCravey and Bernstein. It does say in Section C, and this is the meat of the bill, in reviewing, investigating, or deciding whether there has been a violation of any re relevant policy, law, or regulation prohibiting discriminatory acts. So this will be used when you're talking about discrimination laws or anything like that. So this definition will be used, and I'm hearing hate speech is what I'm hearing. So I know it says in here nothing may be construed to diminish uh, anything about the First Amendment. But I'm hearing hate speech when I'm looking at these examples. So it's just, as much as I don't like hate speech, I'm not sure it's something that we need to start enacting in a bill. And, and Mr. McCravey, with all due respect, this has nothing to do with hate speech. What this says is in subsection C, in deciding whether there has been a violation, 
okay, the state shall take into consideration the definition of anti-Semitism, thereby using it as a guideline if you want to find out if a discriminatory act was anti-Semitic, then look at this definition and use that as some guidance. It's not saying um, we don't have hate crime, and if we did, it's still not against hate speech. Is there anything in the code that says you can't say hate speech? Okay, and I don't think there will be, because that's a First Amendment violation. I think everybody and all of the lawyers and people who aren't lawyers who are on this committee know that um, that that is not the intent of this, and it's not an intent of a hate crime bill. Um, but what this is is just a definition, a guideline to be used, a generally accepted definition. And to make it more than what it is is misrepresenting what the bill does. Bernstein said while Jewish people make up 2% of the American population, they receive an inordinate amount of anti-Semitism-related attacks. This definition is based off the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, which was adopted by the U.S. State Department in 2016. The bill also explicitly states that it may not be construed as an infringement upon the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. It passed the committee by a vote of 21 to 1, with McCravey voting against it. And we are running up against the clock in the State House as we near Sine Die on May 11th. That's the last day of session for the first year of the two-year session. While bills are introduced daily in both chambers, folks are getting them in line now to get a jumpstart on the process for next year. So, of course, getting something in early doesn't necessarily mean it's going to move any faster. That comes down to how good of friends you are with some of your friends that are in leadership and the committee chairman that your bill has been assigned to. So, all the best out there for my lobbyists. We have a very, very tiny business section for you, but don't worry, there are some pretty big numbers in here. That's right, fresh jobs data for you from the State Department of Employment and Workforce. For March, due reports that the state's unemployment rate remains stable and unchanged at 3.2%. Due Acting Director William Floyd said in a statement that Due is committed to spending the rest of 2023 proactively engaging rural communities to help people find work and employers find their workers. Richmond Federal Reserve Bank regional economist Laura Ulrich, who is based in Charlotte, held a media call Friday about these new numbers and how the economy in South Carolina is looking. Another good jobs report for South Carolina today. So it showed a gain of 4,200 jobs, which is actually double what we added in February. So South Carolina is now over 87,000 jobs above where we were in February 2020. So that's a 4% increase. Only one sector in South Carolina lost jobs in March, and that was professional business services, which actually, maybe ironically, was the strongest performer in February. So business and professional services lost 1,500 jobs in March, but that sector remains up almost 6% compared to pre-COVID, almost 17,000 jobs, so remains a really strong sector in the state. Um, Leisure and hospitality had another strong performing month in March, adding 1,400 jobs. And we can now say officially that we have fully recovered leisure and hospitality jobs compared to pre-COVID. So um, we now have crossed over that level. So that might be 
um, kind of part of a headline report, I think, from this job, um, employment report is that we've, we've now more than recovered all the jobs in leisure and hospitality. Of course, that doesn't mean we still don't have shortages in that market because we've also added a lot of people during that time. So we really need more people working in leisure and hospitality to serve the people we have in the state now. The job market remains hot and jobs are plentiful with rapid job growth in urban locations in our state. Over the past year, there has been an increase of some 6,600 jobs, with most of those announced in the major metro areas of the state. The challenge, of course, is to grow the rural areas or connect them to more urban areas. Here's Laura again. So if you look at the most urban places, they're adding a lot, uh, you know, a very high percentage of those jobs are coming to those, those most urban places. And so while the employment situation overall looks really good in South Carolina, there are still many rural counties where um, the story is quite different. As for the overall economy, Laura said that the national jobs numbers for March, that was 236,000 jobs added, was still strong, even as the Federal Reserve is trying to soften up the job market through higher rates. While South Carolina is experiencing rapid growth, not all states are back to their pre-pandemic levels, something that I haven't really thought about since we have been for some time now. But to tackle inflation, Laura painted this picture. We need employment to soften a bit so that inflation can return to the 2% average target um, at a faster pace. Uh, Why is that? Well, when labor demand remains really high and labor supply remains constrained like we have right now, that pushes wages up. And it makes sense that when wages go up, prices of goods and services go up, so inflation goes up. Um, So that doesn't mean we need to have payroll employment reports that are negative, right? It doesn't mean we have to, we need to go into a recession. It doesn't mean that we need to lose jobs, but especially from a national perspective, you know, adding 236,000 jobs is still, like I said, quite expansionary. Again, some strong job numbers there in the state, but more still has to be done when it comes to inflation. The Federal Open Market Committee meets May 2nd and May 3rd to discuss their next decision on interest rates. Go ahead. Welcome to the wind-down section. Oh, I, I definitely stepped on you. Sorry. Welcome to the wind-down section, folks. It's our little break from the news. It's a safe space. It's a freedom of speech safe space. Haven. 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 A maven haven for us. Oh, yes. We're, Saving we're, we're, these mavens. We're in, in a little uh, a cove, okay? A cove of, of freedom here, okay? That's it. That That's wind the water. can't That's, reach oh, us. Water. Very. It's very calm here. here. Anyway, Gavin... A.T. How are you doing, bud? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I've been better. <laughs> I don't. It's you know, hard, things aren't that great. It's hard to believe, Gavin, because right before this show, you were ripping up and down the halls on a scooter. I was a high-functioning, very efficient, uh, modern-day Silicon Valley tech yes. entrepreneur. This is you. You're trying to earn that, that sweater vest. You know, and I have one. I have one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not earned. But... Uh, yeah, it, it was fought for. Uh, yes, by blood. But I've just been, you know, I've been zipping around, giving, zipping, giving Here, people there. raises, firing, unfortunately, a few people. Yeah, uh, I did unscheduled disassembly of some folks. Yeah, um, I, which is zipping around. Very hip you know, right I'm just now. I got my khakis on, I got my white sneaks on, my flat brim hat that just came in was yep. not with me, but if yep. I did have it, would have been on, and everyone would be like, that guy. He knows he's got the it next, together. He knows what's coming. Yes, 
and we need to invest. You're a soothsayer. We need to listen and subscribe. We need to mash that subscribe button. <laughs> Please, F for respect in the chat. Mash that subscribe. Anyway, Gavin, we are way yeah, yeah. off track Yeah, here. total. It's just been a, f- a fun Friday. That's what Friday stands for around here. <laughs> hey, we like to have a good time here. Okay, guys? Hey, the synergy is just so hot here. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we have Please. been upward mobilizing like nobody's business. Anyway, Gavin. For someone that lays on the ground all day. It's very, I mean, I've been, I'm up. You should have seen this guy. <laughs> I, I told him maybe take a step in between prone and scooter, recumbent bike, but like, here he is. I thought he's always on the ground. He, now here he is on a, zipping around. Okay, anyway, Gavin, yeah. we did get a text from Grand Strand Man who uh. has a thought for Mark Keeper of the Scrolls. Okay? Roman texted us? He says, in re to sandwiches and meatball subs, okay? Can a saucy meatball sub which we might not classify as a sandwich at the start of the meal, become a sandwich when the bottom gets soggy and falls apart into two separate pieces of bread. This is an existential nightmare here. No, I don't think so. Gavin is against transformation, yet he is the one who transformed from lying on the ground to scooting. Tech bro. <laughs> um, no, I don't think we're going to just change the definition of a sandwich mid Mid-consumption. Uh, Gavin, you just want to go back to a time when sandwiches were sandwiches, <laughs> right? Stop. We, we're like, oh, it's almost like mirroring like what we're talking about. <laughs> okay. So anyway, that sandwiches aside, we also got a call. Oh, I'm hungry now. From, uh, you know, delicious. Uh, this is a delicious problem <laughs> to have. So this section brought to you by Hunger. Gavin has been starving all day. Yes. He's been eating Robin's eggs. <laughs> That's why I'm so amped up, and, tech bro. Uh, he's been fasting and he's in ketosis right now. And so Gavin is sense. just- <laughs> He's riding high on ketosis. Just juicing. Anyway, we got a call from my office mate next door. Our Vince Colblugo. <laughs> my office mate. Oh, matey. Mate. Matey. All right. Now. Uh, nor. Nor. Are you ready, Gavin? Yours. Yours. Okay. Here yours. we go. Yes. Yours. Here we go. Hey, I see Lead Pod. It's uh, Vince Colblugo, your, uh, I guess, neighbor. Amazing, all things considered host, whatever you guys want to call me, whichever title, I'll accept it. Uh, I just wanted to call in and give two shout-outs. First one for Finn Carlin. That was a pretty good piece on the rapid growth rapid growth happening in Richland County. I'm also excited for him going down to Action News Jacksonville, uh, my old stomping grounds. I'm from Jacksonville. and Finn, if you're listening, you just need to know the native call down there is a long, drawn-out Duval. It kind of goes like, Duval. Um, the other one, Baby's Mama, uh, I just want to give you a shout-out, too, because Edisto Beach or Edisto Island Beach or whatever the proper name is, that's beach in South Carolina. Uh, pretty cool atmosphere, wonderful spot, lots of good public parking for you if you get down there early enough. And uh, it's just, you know, you somehow you miss all the people that go to, like, Myrtle Beach and other places and I don't know. It's just it's just the best beach. That's just hands down the best beach in South Carolina. Um Anything else? Let's see. I bought a new car. First time done that in a while, and someone backed into it after I had it for a month. So uh, currently dealing with trying to get a little body work done on it. Oh, and uh, go Knowles. Vince. Oh, we love to hear from Vince. Thank you so He's much, just Vince. just two doors away from us, but he just really opened up in a way that is just more than being just feet away. Fascinating. Fascinating. And his voicemail was just very geographically heavy, if you yes. listen. If you were listening... He's talking about Edisto, which I love Edisto Island. I've never been. I've oh, I've I've been to the island once or twice, but our good friend Kate, her family has a house on the marsh before you get to the mm-hmm. to the island and it's just absolutely beautiful down there with the Ace Basin and like you just get to see nature 
You know, you get Nature. to go. You get to go float out there in the water and we take know, the boat out. Gavin, I mean, it's Gavin's just, a big uh, marsh guy. You're big love on marsh. The marsh. You're a big bog it's so man. Relaxing. Big bog guy. Sometimes I think I like the marsh more than the ocean. Uh, I, I I do want to add this one little caveat. Vince did text me mm. last week. Also, he did, and he said the person I just interviewed said he's a big lead fan. And that he now associates me with candy corn. So I'm definitely suing y'all. <laughs> I mean, he's our resident candy corn boy. <laughs> we all know Vince loves candy corn. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it goes back to your theory about if you just put anything out that yes. will consume it, i.e., I've been eating Robin's eggs, the malt balls. I don't know what they are. I've never they're heard of chocolate them. Chocolate malt balls. Yeah. Like they're like whoppers, whoppers, but they're decorated to look like Robin's eggs. I, I don't like in, either they of them. Come in milk they came boxes. in a milk carton, malt balls, milk malt balls. <laughs> Robin's eggs. And uh, I've just been eating them because they're available to me. So I need a little pop. Yes. When AT doesn't let me go home for lunch, I'm like, pop, 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 yep. pop, pop, pop. I am. Um, but then you had this disgusting popcorn this week. Yes. I, I brought it intentionally because it was disgusting. To prove a point. Yes. Uh, and it, I, Caitlin, we were in the grocery store and she goes, oh, hold on a second. I got to grab something. And where I was, I turned. And I just saw popcorn flavored like other candies. And it was like, <laughs> there was a Twix one, there was oh. an Oreos one, a Snickers one. And those didn't sound so bad, you know? Sure, they make a little bit more sense. That's not going to be so bad. But then I saw the truly cursed Sour Patch Kid popcorn. Some food chemist was like, yo. I don't know. This is an idea. I think that you're get, you're assigning too much uh, thought saying it was a food chemist, where I think it was an absolute, like... TikTok? No, backroom ad person who's just like, we already own these brands, just put them together. <laughs> Synergy. Oh, man, now I get it. He probably had a, he probably had a scooter and a vest, too. Exactly. That's how you, you know get what? it. I'm not even going to hate on this. That's a great <laughs> idea. The food was disgusting. The most... The, it, these were truly... A, it was a scary thing, because it only went from my car. I, I took it from the grocery store, put it in my car, and I left it in my car and brought it to work yet they were cold to the touch <laughs> always you, but you, you took a bite and there was crunch but then you got this like sour flavoring and it just yeah. it's like a typical sour patch kid but even more so you felt like you're getting an instant cavity i was like I yeah don't, it I don't really want this got in my body. stuck on you but you saw me i could not stop eating he would it. say i hate them I hate and then I hate handfuls myself, yeah. handfuls handfuls speaking of handfuls and really quick before we get out meg and i were on the campaign trail this week we Fun. went to spartanburg to go yes. see desantis yes and of course we had dinner at a gas station because mm -hmm. that's where mm -hmm. i take mm -hmm. my ladies out to <laughs> gavin knows <laughs> all right baby $10 limit. And after I had my ham sandwich wrap, it was mm. a wrap. Mm -hmm. I don't do wraps, but, but that was sense. a sandwich wrap. Sandwich wrap. It but was. Keep going. <laughs> I said keep that. Going. I didn't mean to say sandwich wrap. But you did. Keep going. Because it had the most meat in it. And, uh, uh -huh. I, and so I'm eating my sandwich. Real meat house. I'm eating my wrap. <laughs> <laughs> keep going. And uh, we're also like, oh, what else are we going to get? You know, it's dinner time. So, of course, we procured ourselves some combos. Ugh, combos. And Meg saw the blue cheese ones, and she's like, you can't. I'm like, I'm not going to. She's like, I can't. I'm like, you don't need to. Because when you open the blue cheese ones, the smell the is smell. just, you it can't, ain't right. You can't open it in the store. But I will say, and I told you about this. You know, I had my little brief diet Coke addiction last fall, which yes. I've, I've gotten over. You beat it. You know how I did. You beat it. Unfortunately, oh no, I have Gavin. news. No, that Gavin. like calories on the campaign trail, Diet Coke on the campaign no, trail doesn't Gavin. count. I had to drive that woman back from Spartanburg at 10 o'clock. I, I needed a little go go juice. You should have gotten Coke. 
is is no. all no no oh no I want the calories and I was treat myself I got a polar pop I said sure let's the, do this. the 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 non sandwich sandwich wrap no problem wraps aren't sandwiches and then I regret saying those that. are not calories okay no I want the diet coke disgusting <laughs> uh, anyway Gavin just like there in calories the diet coke isn't healthy have unhealthy. a good I don't weekend and the yeah, show. Yeah. It has I to can. end. It's Say the to credit. You by a variety of yum brands, yes, diet coke, and yes. more. Yes, Gavin will be eating <laughs> sour patch hamburgers later this week. Anyway, have a good weekend. Goodbye. Thank we you. love Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Please give us a shout like Vince did or a text like Roman did. 803-563-7169. We'd love hearing from you guys. You can also review us on Apple Podcasts, and you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. I swear <laughs> to God, someone touches my scooter, guys. I'm going to be bad. <laughs> I'm going to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> no.